1: Chuck Fletcher has made moves to try and bolster the blue line, and Jake Borachek is no longer a Flyer. But did Chuck risk too much for this Flyers team? Let's talk about it all right now.
0: This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt.
1: It is episode 83, and it's the one that I'm still trying to catch my entire breath from what's happened over the last 72, 89 hours, whatever it is. I know the guy across from me who just got back from the post office is still trying to figure everything out. Scott Weinhardt, uh, what's going on, brother?
0: Listen, don't knock me because I still go to the post. In fact, I went to the post
1: office again today because I had to. Oh my god! I just sent out some goalie gear to somebody. <laughs> my god! See, that makes a little bit more. No, I, I like it, it. Still doesn't make sense. You could you could ship all of this stuff from home. It. But still, like, it's easier to go to the post office
0: and say, okay, well, here is my package. You take it. You give me said tracking number. I and know it's been drop. dropped off. It's not lost. I know exactly where it went. And it takes five minutes out of my day. So it really uh, is convenient that I can walk into a U.S. Postal Service office and I can drop off a package and know it's going to get to where it needs to go.
1: You can do that anywhere in today's age. And, and if we have a drop system, thank you for saying, here is my package. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm gonna you're
0: you're find vulnerable. a way I don't to know where you were going with a, that, but find a way.
1: I'll find a way. Yeah, but, you uh, find uh, a, way. there's something wrong, the wrong with going guy, to the post office. You're the only guy that I've spoken to in the last like t- six years that I've said, oh, yeah, I've actively gone to the post office.
0: What's wrong Other with that?
1: The only reason that you should be going to the post office nowadays is to for a passport because you got to go to the post office for a passport to submit your photos. That's not true. You don't
0: have to go to the post office for a passport. You can go to the passport office. Like I did in Philadelphia when they were like, Hey, you're going to India in two weeks. You need a passport.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, but Hey, the flyers did some crazy shit this past week. I mean, this is one of those weeks where we both anticipated them to get rid of the 13th overall pick. And like it's as soon as, you see that you, you see Russell Linen is coming in, and you're like, okay, that's a pretty big one. Uh, but I think this biggest trade was was the the moving on from Voracek. We've been talking about this since we first started this podcast. So two, uh, we said, this yeah, be the season to do it. That that Voracek's going to be the guy. Uh, we're just a season late on when they're moving on from Voracek, but still, like, it's weird that it's weird to say that Voracek's no longer on this team at the at the end of this. Like, I think overall, real quick, before we dive into the details of the trade, the views, how Voracek should be viewed in Philadelphia, positive, negative, indifferent, like just a guy that at the end of the day that played for this team that underachieved or kind of wore his heart on his sleeve night in and night out as best he could and did what he did, did how he like towards the end. I think he just kind of was ready to move on. And I, I think that's what is souring it a little bit. But for the most part, I have great memories of Jake Voracek.
0: Listen, Jake was exciting when he first came here because he was a young player. He had his prime years with Giroux, And Jake did a lot of good things here. Jake also did a lot of bad things that annoy Philadelphia fans. Jake yeah. has had kind of some memorable moments. Like, they he hit the game-tying goal in the stadium series at home at, the, at Lincoln Financial Field. I'm not going to lie. I was in the stand jail and trade the guy beforehand. Man, people were, it might have to rescore turn. You still want to trade him? And then he had a turnover right in front of the net in overtime. And I was like, yeah, that's why I want to trade him. Anyway, long story short, <laughs> Jake did a lot of good things here. He was very exciting when he had the puck. But he had a pass first mentality. Here's where I'm going to draw the line with Jake. He had a pass first mentality when they needed to shoot first mentality for a lot of years, and then also he had didn't have so much great success in his own end playing. It's a two way game, which really you need a top guy to really be able to do that. He was a he was a specific player that worked here for a long time. But the thing is, I think that when people look back, Jake could have been one of the greats in franchise history, and I think he is overall. But he won't be memorable as like Giroux because. He had his best years when the Flyers sucked, when they were mediocre, and yeah. didn't make the yeah. playoffs. So that it's more of the team that was built around him and and Giroud that would be the reason why you know Jake had you had, had did great while he was here. But at, you know now you got to move on. You got to move on because you have to change the core to shake it up. You're getting a hell of a player in Cam Mackinson. I think a lot of Flyers fans are underestimating how good this kid is.
1: Yeah, I, I think the only hesitation that I have is you, you technically you, you traded for a guy that's a little bit older in Cam. And yes, he's he's a good two way player. He's certainly better on the defensive end on the forechecking side of all things uh, than Jake. But he produced less points last year. Like Jake still produced better than him. And like, I, I don't know. And we'll get it more into uh, Russell Linen as well. Like I think Chuck is just looking at things as these players need to change a scenery to to bolster their their skills or get back to their tracking of what they were. But I think that's just too high of a risk for to do it for so many players that you're doing it with, including Cam Atkinson. Like that, that's just I, I just I don't know. Was it? It was certainly time to move on from Voracek, but. I don't know if this was the move to do it for.
0: Listen, at the end of the day, what have the Flyers fans been complaining about most for years? That they need that sniper. Cam Atkinson's that guy. Believe it or not, I know he's 32 years old, and people are like, oh, my God, he's, he's 32. And, you know, why do they trade Jake when Jake's a better overall player? Well, no, not really, because Jake is really good five on five. Jake is pretty good on the power play. Jake didn't plan the penalty kill. Chuck's been saying all along, has that this team needs to get better defensively. Cam Atkinson can play in all three segments. You can yeah. put him on the power play. He finds gaps in the ice where he can get to open areas and he scores goals. But he also plays something really important is that he plays shorthanded and he's a shorthanded threat to score. Now, a couple years ago, the Flyers did pretty well playing shorthanded. I believe they did have a couple goals two seasons ago and yeah. had a lot of chances shorthanded and they would work out stretch pass. Now, Cam Atkinson is a guy that can do that for you. He is also what this team needs, and they need an identity. And this team has not had an identity for a couple of seasons now. Even when they had the good season in 1920, even with the lot the, the COVID shutdown and everything, they didn't really have an identity. The, I think the Flyers brass is looking at this and saying, Hey, you know what? Like we complain, like you know, not complain, but we just were honest about it and said, Hey, this team needs to find a way to get asses in the seats and have an edge. And I think that now you got a player in here like Cam Atkinson who plays tough every single night. Now, with all, with all, I think this is a player too that's going to help Travis Connecty because they're very similar in how they play. Like Cam Atkinson is a hard working guy that's going to get in the corners. They need Travis Connecty while he's, you know, that pissant term that Ron Hextall would, uh, would yeah. call him. He's a guy that he, they, he needs to learn from a guy like Cam Atkinson, who's been around the block, who's a similar stature, and is also a similar type player. Now, Cam Atkinson, he's had a couple down seasons here. He had 34 points last season. And in 1920, he had 26 points. But before that, he's putting up 70 point seasons, close to it, 50, 60, 45 point seasons. That's that's exactly what you need. Now you have to replace that offense from Jake now because you're losing 60 to 65 points on average. But Jake said the same thing as well, where he's putting up 60 points, have a down season with 45. They're similar in their point production, which is fine, but the difference is you're saving two and a half million on the cap, and you get a guy with a shoot first mentality and that's exactly what this team needs because now you can put them on the line with Giroux, Vor, I'm sorry, Giroux and Couturier, and you'll see a lot more offensive chances at the net because Cam Atkinson is the guy who drives the net and can also pick corners. So I think it's an absolute a great trade because not only are you saving money, but you're getting a type of player that you need. You don't need this pass-first mentality that Jake has, and it's great because, listen, Columbus is looking at the flip side, Say, listen, we're going to put them on the line with Patrick Liney and that's going to be great. The only problem is they don't have a center to be able to play that middle there. So that's where it really comes down to is that you, you couldn't poach a guy like Linde. You're not going to pay him anyway because you don't have money on the cap to do that when you got to re-up Sanheim and Carter Hart. But now you save $2.5 off the cap. you got a player that's a better fit here for the city, a better fit for what you need it for. And you have chemistry where you'll have it with probably Claude Drew and, and Sean Couturier. And I think that that's a really, really a home run for the Flyers. yes. Jake did a lot of good things here, but Jake, at the end of the day, and this was pointed out to me and I just, it it blew my mind. Jake in 10 years for the Flyers played 727 games, had 604 points and was a minus 17. That says something. So now you've got more responsible that you got responsible defensively because you have a guy who has 627 games of NHL experience, 402 points and he's a plus 17. So defensively overall, the Flyers got better than I expect. You got a guy with a shoot for men- first mentality. That is an upgrade for what this team needs. So you need to stop looking at it as fanboys and say, Oh my God, he's got a higher overall in NHL 21 than Cam Atkinson. <laughs> hey, no one gives a crap. At the end of the day, the Flyers got a better fit and a better player. It's a great move by Chuck Fletcher. It, it, for me, it's an A.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if it's an a for me. I, I, it's not the worst. This is not the most concerning it's a straight trade. up trade and you save money on the cap. Are sure. you kidding me? But that's, you also that's a, have, and
0: an, you need but, that,
1: but you, and you have him for the a, a foreseeable future. Cause he signed for four more years. Correct. However, like he's over $5 million in cap hit. And it, like, we're talking about a guy that's like 32. You always talk about that 30 year old threshold is when things start to go downhill for players. Cam Atkinson has not seen a downhill trend yet, but he's going to go start going down. Like if this is my interpretation of what Chuck Fletcher has done, and this is the broader view of things, especially when we get to the, 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 the trade that just boggles my mind. And and it's one of the most confusing trades that I've seen Chuck do in a long time, including uh, his time in the at in Minnesota with the wild. But this seems to be a guy that is suddenly saying this team is good enough, or potentially good enough to win the cup in twenty one twenty two because of the not of the shortsightedness in some of these contracts. Yes, Cam Atkinson is is under contract for four years, but some of these other players are not, and they're going to be expiring in the next year or two. Because of that, Cam Atkinson's value is diminished by association because he's a 32 year old, he's on the back end of his career and by the time you get to the end of his four year career, four year contract, you're talking about a guy that's going to be 35 36. You're telling me you're going to expect him to be doing what he's doing now at 35 36? I'm not just looking at the 21 20, 20, 22 season with this trade. I'm looking at the downside of what it has harmed this team for sent for decades. In terms of cap use and cap worthiness uh, and and utilization, I should say, excuse me, and just trying to figure out why we continue to bank on veteran players that are good but not great. He hasn't won anything in Columbus, so why should we expect him to do anything here in Philadelphia that's different? That's my point, especially because he has to do it in a quick turnaround. That's how I see it. Like that's that's just my hesitation. Look, it's a good trade, but it's also something that you have to look at as a little bit of short-sightedness on Chuck Fletcher's part. Now, you think that Cam Atkinson, because he's a year older than
0: Jake Voracek, right?
1: No. What I'm saying is... You know, really, he's only like a couple months older than yes, Jake Voracek. No, I know that. What I'm saying is that the trade to go straight up where Jake Voracek and Cam Atkinson doesn't, doesn't fully compute with me, because of the other trades that he has made. It's not just Cam Atkinson. It's rust it, it it's Ryan Ellis is probably one of the better trades. We talked about it last episode. We talked about it last week. That was a good trade. But the rust a thing, and let's just get into it, is mind-boggling to me. You give up a first-round pick, and yes, what was known by experts that, we, uh, that I, I saw, and I think we both agree, was a weak draft. It was a weak draft, but a first round pick is a first round pick. So if we're trading for a guy on an expiring deal after next year, he's a free agent. So are you, are we planning on using the $12 million or what? I believe it's $12 million in that range that you have in free cap space right now to extend Russell Linen, extend Carter Hart, extend Travis Sandheim, and you're going to sign a backup goalie. That's four key components that you're still looking for or trying to sign for this coming off season or next depending on how, who you look at. So like it's just it's just coming off as me as as very 2018-2019 Philadelphia Eagles without the Super Bowl, without the Stanley Cup. You're banking on veteran leadership to produce to something that will get you a Stanley Cup. But but you have no proof that they can do this. Okay.
0: All right. Let's let's get into wrist line right here. Because first of all, I'm gonna say this. Anybody who doesn't like the wrist line and trade, you're an idiot. Plain and simple. I don't care if you're a fan of the show that you're an idiot. You're no, an idiot. you're not.
1: You're oh. not an idiot. You no, you're
0: an pu- absolute fool to think that you can't pay, have to pay a price to upgrade defensive. Okay, let's look at the intangibles. Let's not look at the fact of these uh, analytics gotta... and his WAR, which is completely. I understand. No, 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 no. The no analytics you are because are... if you were to understand, you would understand that this is actually a really good risk that Chuck Fletcher took, and this is why. This is why it's a good risk, because you have a guy who's got size and toughness and has been said all along that a flyers and everybody plays against him. He's a pain in the ass to play against. He even said it himself in his interview yesterday. So we're going Landon for all very piss tough ants. we're
1: going all of a sudden for all piss ants, little piss You're ants or trying to create ants. an identity. I understand, but the identity that you're trying to create is suddenly the early 2000s and late 90s. No, because Tampa Tampa was just a tough team to play against. Tampa had toughness. That's what
0: got them to the Stanley Cup. They had grit. They had grit on their back end. They had a bottom six that was gritty. Now, the Rangers are trying to replicate that by picking up a guy like Sammy Blay and picking up Barkley Goudreau from, uh, from, uh, from Tampa. The thing is, you need grit on your bottom six. You need grit on your defensive pair. You have a guy here who is asked to play top-line minutes when he's not a top-line defenseman on the worst team in probably some of the worst teams in NHL history for multiple seasons, has gone through multiple coaches and multiple partners with no stability. He wasn't drafted in the first round for no reason. It's not like a Sam Moran situation where you're drafting him 11th or 13th overall or wherever he was, and he can barely be a 6'7 in, in the NHL because of his injury problems. At the end of the day, Here's the thing. Kevin Adams knew he has a prime guy in here, and they're in a full rebuild, and teams will be willing to pay for a guy who's 25 years old and has not hit his full potential yet. So that is a prime defensive prospect that you're still going through. Yes, has he had bad numbers? Yes, but he also can contribute on the power play. He's got a cannon of a shot, and if he has a solid partner like a guy like Travis Sandheim, you actually might have gotten a diamond in the rough here. Now, here is the risk. I understand you're talking about the risk part. You give up a 13th overall pick, a first rounder this year, and then a second rounder, I believe, in 2023. The problem is is that you have to pay that price to get a player like that in a flat cap world. Look at what... Vancouver had to give up to get Oliver Ekbean Larson who's clearly under the decline and Connor Garland and then to take some of their higher paid guys off the books. Now they have to carry that in that saddle of that of that, you know, three guys on expiring deals, but they did it to get better right now. You need to stop looking at this as, oh, what could happen at the end of the next season? Then they don't care. They're trying to get better for this season. This but they need the to day care. Day. You can't Kevin, just have this no. tunnel vision Kevin of 21 Adams 22. A, Kevin Adams said to a bunch of teams that the first-rounders in the 20s were not good enough. They needed something higher for them. They've been trying to get Ristoline in since the trade deadline and trying to make a move for him. But then it was too expensive, and it still got too expensive because the teams cannot move money as much as they like to because of the flat cap world. This is what you had to do to show up defensively, to get better right now. That first round draft pick, that 13th, wouldn't have been, even if he got to the NHL, between four and five years anyway. That 2023 pick, you're talking late 2020s. You could always recoup that. And this is what people don't understand. He is on an expiring deal. If it doesn't work out by the deadline, you can flip him for an asset. So let's not talk about, hey, well, this is a huge risk. You gave away a first-round pick in a weak draft class. Nobody you were interested in anyway. You got a first-round talent in the second round anyway. And a defensive who's very similar to Rasmus alignment. And now you can always flip him at the deadline if it's not working out. So if you don't like the trade and you're saying, oh, they gave up too much for him. Oh, my God, I don't like the fact that they gave up too much for him. Then shut up because you're not understanding.
1: This is what you need to pay for the team to get better now. But if if, it, if you're talking about the situation of a of a hypothetical where you're also getting rid of him at the trade deadline, that also means you're probably in the bottom tier of the Metropolitan Division that this coming season. True. Yes, he does. He does because a lot of this banks on line and being a good player. He's okay, going to be so, your top four.
0: Okay, let's, let's 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 give you a hypothetical. If you really want to go on hypotheticals like hypotheticals like this, okay. Cam York is expected to be a flyer this year. Okay. Yes, he's going to be in the top six. Okay. Yes. Cam, if Cam York is going to be one of your defenses. If he turns out to be pretty solid and they have good chemistry between York and between um and uh, Travis Sanheim. But the, here's Sandheim, the key. Fine. Your wrist line is also a right-handed shot. You have Justin Braun and you have Sam Moran back there. Say you can go Sam San- Moran's a
1: restricted free agent. Yeah, pro-
0: he's probably coming back. They've already been in talks with Brian to bring him back. That's the key. So chances are he's going to be coming back. No team's really going to take another flyer on him. He'll be a good depth defenseman. Yeah, you I mean, need yeah, to trade Robert Haig. Anyway, besides the point, I'm making a point of this, is that you need to sometimes take risks. Everybody in the bitch and moat about Ron Hextall not making any moves, which got him
1: in. Fair point.
0: And and, and now Chuck is here saying, you know what? We believe that this is going to make us better. We understand he's had some challenges there, but we also understand the concept of that. You see what happens when you rotate defensemen and you're missing one player or don't have the talent. You get into a situation like the Flyers were last year and you're in the bottom half of the league. Buffalo has been like that for five years because they have not nobody really to play with this guy. you put him on a second pairing, this could be a diamond in the rough with the Flyers. Now it could turn into a Jason Smith situation like it did 12 years ago with the Flyers where Jason Smith decided just to bolt and go play for another team. when the Flyers are trying to bring him back after having a great first year and being captain. But at the end of the day, you can't think like that. You have to think of this makes us better in 21, 22. We have Ryan Ellis, we have Ryan, Pro- I- I- Ivan Provera was our top pairing. We have Travis Sandheim and a guy who can play the power play with him on in Sister Line. And then we still have depth with Justin Braun. Sam Moran is a third pairing. And then you also have Cam York who's going to be coming in as well and probably making the team. If you think that it is a dumb move to take this risk, you're, you're insane. Because you, this is the only way in a flat cap world that you're going to get better is by separating with these assets and stop thinking that, oh my God, it's the first down pick. I can't believe it. I tried to do it in NHL 21 and the other team wouldn't take it. Shut up. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's why you're playing hl 21. You're not Chuck Fletcher. Chuck Fletcher has a good plan here. Yes, you had to spend some assets to get it. That's fine. It makes the team better right yes. now.
1: But is it a does the risk mitigate the reward or is the cost of the risk worth the is the here we go. I'm going to get this right. Is the potential of these rewards worth the risk that you took? 100%. I don't think it
0: is 100% because, because if, if he plays well, you got value. If it doesn't work out But well, if you also you know, like, sign him, good. you have
1: to give him probably an insane contract. Look at Why the psychotic... Because of the psychoticness of what Seth Jones demanded in the market. If you have a successful... Seth Jones got $9.5 because he's Seth yes. Jones. And I understand how he got no. more money than Caleb Carr. And Cale now might be looking for that if he's a success No,
0: And then you flip him at the deadline He was looking for that. Don't know you well can't just co- You
1: can't just continue to say that we're going to flip this guy. Because you're, it's a lose-lose at the flip. If he's playing well and all of a sudden you have to Realize that he's going to be demanding seven and a half, eight million dollars, depending on. Like, I'll be fair, I'm, he's not going to get Seth Jones money, but he's going to get seven, eight. Eight and a half. He's going to get in and that anybody, range.
0: With, with his, he doesn't have much of a resume to go with. If he has a recoup year, probably but he still be does. It probably he, be a little if, more around what he's at now. Five, six million. Probably if Bristol right
1: Line and leads this team to an Eastern, not leads, but helps get this team to the Eastern Conference Finals or Stanley Cup Final, he's going to demand Steph Jones money.
0: I, I think you're insane if you think in that case, but uh, whatever. But it also Look.
1: depends on how he plays. But under this again, assumption yes. that he plays well enough to get you to the Stanley Cup final or the at least the Eastern Conference final, he is going to demand Seth Jones' money. I can guarantee it. And they're he's not twenty-six. Pay him
0: more. Listen, listen, listen. They're not going to pay him more than what Ryan Ellis is making. What Ivan Provorov is making. They're not going to pay him more than that. It's not going to happen. This is not going to happen. It's not going to be an Andrew McDonald situation. It's not going to happen again.
1: You can say I'm that, but then, uh, then, but then. You you're not going to flip him at the deadline because the worth the risk is what you got. Then the risk is working out for Chuck what he just took. Okay, then week. you explore
0: the options after the season. That's what I'm saying. It's not about after next season. You can always resign him after the playoffs, after everything, after the season. You can always still resign him. You can talk about things that way. Let them worry about that with the agents and all that stuff. That's not something fans should be worried about. Should be worried about that you might have a diamond in the rough here. It can help out on the power players. has got a booming shot, and yes, his analytics
1: are bad. But who
0: gives a crap I, about yeah? I agree. I don't He's care. Playing on a terrible team, it's I, worth
1: the risk. It, was it worth is worth the risk. But is it, a, is it a smart, calculated risk is what I'm yes. saying. You I you wouldn't lean towards give up so no. much assets to be if you didn't think you had an opportunity
0: to make this kid better or you have an opportunity for him to think you improve your team. If they really thought he was that bad of a player overall, then they wouldn't have even Look, made the move for him. But other teams were obviously looking to give first-round picks for this guy, so obviously the teams around the league see something in this kid. So obviously if the Flyers say, hey, you know what, we'll pony up a second-rounder next year. In twenty, I'm sorry, two years from now, in 2023 for this guy because we believe that he's going to help us out right now. It's not about three or four years from now. It's about making the team better right now. That's why you traded gossip to Spirit to get cap relief, even though you gave up the Moon to get rid of him. That shows you how much value Ghost yes. had around the league. So if you're talking about that aspect, this guy obviously has more value than Ghost because you're getting more to get him. You're giving away a first rounder to get this kid. So obviously, other teams were saying it value. If you had to trade Ghost. Ghost plus two draft picks to be able to get rid of ghost that shows you his value around the league. So this is how you have to navigate in a, in a, in a, in a flat cap world. There's nothing else that you can do about this. So at the end of the day, and people want to sit back and say, "Oh my God, it's just an abysmal trade." You haven't seen the guy play one minute of ice time yet. Yeah, maybe he'll be the whipping boy. Who cares? was it gave Yeah, up I,
1: I, I will say the only thing that has been going around is the, is the clip of him. I think it's against Pittsburgh falling down I, against Boston. Falling Boston. So, like that it happens. It, it. I know. Like that's when I looked at that. I laughed. I was like, "Oh, okay, sounds about right." Yeah. And then you move on. Look, what I what I do appreciate, and you've turned me to this person is Chuck Fletcher is also an eye, uh, give me the eye test over analytics guy. That's perfectly fine. But let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they've won two Stanley Cups in a row, right? Something you absolutely hate. Not the fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning won it, but the fact that the team won it back-to-back years.
0: Correct. My worst, what is their is main driver? Toronto wording it back to
1: back. What their main driver is what, besides fudging with the cap space to go co- be able to go over in the, in the playoffs? They're very both-
0: good, they're very good. If you watch them, they don't really acquire too many players outside, they've all built right. with it. They're very good at building and developing the players, they identify with analytics. analytics,
1: correct? So, if analytics has gotten, and I'm just using the Tampa Bay Lightning currently, it's not just them that have won the cup under analytics if in the last 15 years, say, not even 15 years, since the second lockout, 2012-2011, if in that time frame of eight Stanley Cups, nine Stanley Cups, a majority of those teams, and I'm willing to bet that there are, were analytically driven, does it make sense for Chuck Fletcher to suddenly go against the grain and say, I'm going to take the worst defenseman analytically Literally the worst, and say, I think he's good on the eye test level, and he will help us win a cup. Does that make sense to you after the success that we've seen in the last two seasons of Tampa Bay winning on analytics?
0: 100 percent because I think you can analytics can't rule everything, and not just that, you have to look at the external can't rule Rather, everything, but it's won
1: everything the last two years.
0: To, no, it hasn't won everything the last two years. Everything analytics or, the are a cup. Uh, he does not want analytics have not listen, If analytics won the Stanley Cup, Toronto would have been won five in a row by now. Cause they're so driven by analytics and that lovely Kyle Dubas of what he does up there. Now he's so and I tell you got in the position where he's at now. That's how he built his team. He was ahead of the curve before other teams caught on with every team does have a piece of it. The only issue is like I said, I agree with Chuck Fletcher is that you're in a bad situation when you're asked to play top line minutes, 23, 24, 25 minutes a game, which is good. It shows you've got endurance but you don't have the skill to be able to keep up with those top line guys. You It's kind of like what they wanted to do with Nolan Patrick before you flipped him. Mm-hmm. So the idea was let's get him on a third line role and let's see what he does there. It blew up in their face because Nolan Patrick just is not a good hockey player. At the end of the day, I've been waiting a long time to say that, but it's not true. It's true. He's just not a good hockey player. And maybe he will be someday. Right now, he's just not a good hockey player. Yep. So now you have a guy where it's like, okay, well, you see the intangibles that he has. He's tough to play against. He's going to be physical. Teams are going to like him because he finishes his checks. He leads the league in hits, kind of like Robert Haig did. Robert Haig didn't have the skill set, but Robert Haig used to lead the league a lot and be at the tops of the leaderboard in hits because he finishes his checks and he plays physical. You're seeing this in the six foot seven guy who, when cheap shots are going to happen, he's going to get in your face about it. You kind of need that. He's a big guy and also has a cannon of a shot from the point. So, on your power play, you get that right-hand shot on the point where you can boom it in there and get the flexion tips down low. It's going to improve your offense and drive your offense forward that way as well. There's a lot of intangibles that this guy wasn't able to do because when you're surrounded by crap and you had been asked to do everything yourself – um, it doesn't quite work out in your favor too often. So you have to look at that and say, okay, you can't really take analytics from the worst team, a team that's been trying to tank for the first overall pick for a long time without their best player, Jack Eichel, with a team that Taylor Hall couldn't score any points on. And then he scores 14 and 16 games, scores 14 points, 16 games at Boston, and then re a four-year $24 million deal. Something's in Buffalo is in the water up there. Maybe it's the Pagouls not running it right. Maybe it's because they've had so much turnover with coaches and general managers. Now, Kevin Adams is in there trying to rebuild that entire thing. The whole point I'm trying to make here is that it was a bad situation for this kid. So, if, you, if the teams around the league were willing to give first round draft picks alone for this guy, and Kevin Adams is saying, listen, man, I know what I got here. 20, 20 plus anything over 20 is not good enough. Then obviously that holds some water there. So because listen, anybody who you can you can think you're the biggest fan all you want, those scouts know more than you, they know more information for you, they know your yeah, the intangibles I... a lot more. They know more than you, they know more than I, they know more. Everybody on these little little wackos on Twitter talking about, oh my God, it's overpayment. Shut up. Okay, at the end of the day, shut up. Because you know what? Frankly, you don't know what you're talking about. Because if other teams are willing to give up first round Jeffricks for this guy, there's something there. Now you have an opportunity where now you have a guy here who can really blossom for you, and if it doesn't work out after one year, then yeah, you gave up a lot, but at the same time, you still got a year out of it. it but right now, you focus on twenty-one, twenty-two, and then you figure out 22-23 because you have other problems there to figure myth as well. You might not be able to bring this guy back at the cap space flag because you got to rehab Sean Couturier and you got to figure out what you're doing with Claude Giroux. So, listen, worry about those problems yet next season. This team was this team was awful last year. They were they were they were dog shit. There's no other way to explain it. They were dog shit. It was, it's an awful, awful hockey team to watch. Jim Jackson said it was the most awful season for him to ever watch hockey and call games. I don't disagree with him. COVID aside, the team was brutal. So now you just took your biggest flaw last year, of being poor defensively, and you've bolstered your defense, adding Ryan Ellis, Rasmus Ristolainen, and Cam Atkinson within a week. And you're flipping out some of your defensive liabilities in Shane Gostaspier, Jake Voracek, and Robert Haig. So if you're telling me, okay, I got rid of Jake, Shane Bear, and Robert Haig, and I brought in Cam Atkinson, and one of the best defense, one of the best defensemen in the league and Ryan Ellis, and Rasmus Sarista Linen, who's got a lot of upside, I'm going to take that risk. So I, I, I don't see why people would disagree with this is not a good move. You don't look at the asset. Look at what you're getting in return for it. There's a really good opportunity here and a lot of upside, and I think it's something where the Flyers taking risks like that instead of complaining about it, what you gave up, say, finally, finally, this team's doing something. They Finally, they're giving something to me to be yeah. excited about. They're, Listen, they're, they're, there's nothing wrong with it.
1: It's it's frustrating to me, some of these moves. I think it's just a, this this rest, uh, rest of the line in move is the glaring one that is too risky for my blood. That's like, that's, but on the whole, let me ask you, this, like, is this team better 100% on the whole?
0: percent better,
1: yes. I agree. I think this team is much better than it's not It's a play-off team. It's this a playoff team a play- and this team could make, be- a that could make a run. Correct. Could make a run. Because they're gonna if be tough to play hot, against. if they get hot in late March or excuse me, early March, mid March, and just rides that wave, they could make a huge splash. My concern is what happens to this team when one of the when the, the injury concerns, Ryan Ellis has injury concerns. Rustin uh, Rastalainen has injury concerns he didn't he, he's he played most of the season last COVID, year COVID, but, COVID, but COVID COVID knocked him on his ass so is that a long impact that's one of the things we're still waiting on the uh, how this affects us in terms of COVID just scientifically we're waiting on the scientific research on what COVID does long-term effects but let's just focus on the here and now Does that hurt hurt him mentally, physically, whatever it may be? And then Ellis, just the knee surgery. Like, what happens? What happens? Like, what happens first? Ryan Ellis injury or... The uh, uh extension. Well, it's it way out, overpriced.
0: It came out this week. Ryan Ellis didn't have a shoulder issue this past season. It was actually a, a knuckle issue, which is why he lost time. He actually broke his knuckle, so that's a problem there. And you can come back from that. That's not a problem. So the shoulder's not a concern. And don't forget, the teams do on the back end. They do medical research for this kind of stuff. They're not taking. They're not trading for guys that they that have medical issues. And that's the thing. That's like if you want to go back and make an example of why Seattle maybe didn't take Carrier Price. He's out 10 to 12 weeks and he's got to go through rehab before he can come back. You know, they didn't claim him. So, but there was concerns there about the knee injury. Shea Weber, let's take a Shea Weber. Shea Weber just came out the, yesterday and said, he's not playing next season. So that one of the best defensemen in his career might be over actually. So yeah, that's a um, scary. That's, and that's scary. A, that is a scary thing. So I get your point of energy, but you, everybody, it go, everybody goes through it. Everybody gets banged up. Everybody gets hurt. As long as there's nothing major, they should be okay. But the thing is, is that you, that's, that's why you have depth. That's why you have a guy like Sam Moran who's shown flashes where you could probably fill you in in a five or six role if necessary. If Justin Braun takes another step back, you know you have Cam York there to kind of fill that space a little bit and have him learn a little more on the fly there. So I'm not too concerned about the injury part of it. It's all about building your team to make sure they're better. Now, I mean, look at the 20, 2009 nine, two thousand ten Flyers. How many injuries did they have? Jeff Carter broke his foot in, in this playoffs. That came back and ran train. Simone Gagne was on painkillers, <laughs> and they came back after a broken with a plate in his foot and scored the you know the the game winner in Game Four to start the comeback. Like injuries happen, right? Look at the goaltending massacre that happened in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. That team still got the Game Six at the, the Stanley Cup Final. Just. Don't look at it from an injury standpoint. You're you're trying to build the best team possible that you can now. But here's the here's the kicker. I think that this team now that they're trying to build is they they know they need a tougher team. Is that last season for whatever reason they just weren't tough enough. And Miskin and Levin had some part to do with it. But it, because of all that cycling defensively that they had to do, were changing up partners and not having anybody to fill those holes, you just you know you lose confidence. You get kind of weak. Now you just brought in. Every player had a letter on his jersey for all captaincy. So uh, right, Rasmus was the line and, yes, was an alternate captain in Buffalo. Ryan Ellis was an alternate captain in Nashville. Cam Atkinson was an alternate captain in Columbus. You're bringing in some leadership here. You're bringing in some veteran guys that are going to push some of these guys who need to get better in the lineup. So here's the way I look at this. You're, you're, you're right on point. I think that this team's going to be very hard to play against. They're going to be a tough team to play against. When I look at this team, I think of the Islanders last season when the Flyers played in the playoffs. They just were a tough team that the Flyers just they gave them fits all season long, and the Flyers just had no answer for them in the playoffs. They battled back, but Game 7, I'm thinking Game 7 against the Islanders, how the Flyers just are totally inept and how the Islanders played so stingy they just made the Flyers look totally inept. That's what the Flyers are shooting for here, that this team is going to get in on the forecheck and finish your checks and get dirty, a team defensively that's going to push you around a little bit. And that's the identity that I think that fits really well with a team and a coach by Lane Vigneault, who likes to employ more of a defensive style. So they won't need to play that 2-1-2 anymore that gets them out of control. They'll play more of a 1-2-2 type of team where they'll play tough on their own end. And at the end of the day, these upgrades do the most important thing of all. And that's help Carter Hart because let's not forget, yes, you still need a backup goaltender, which we could talk about later on, before free agency starts on Wednesday, but adding these pieces is going to make Carter Hart better because it's going to be means that adding Ryan Ellis, adding Rasmus, just to line in adding a guy like Cam Atkinson on the penalty kill. That's going to make sure that less shots are getting in the net. And not only that, but less high danger scoring chances. The flyers had were the worst in the league with giving those up last year. So the, the moves that they're making are setting them up and saying, hey, look, we needed to get better defensively. They might have sacrificed a little bit of offense to get that, but they just need to employ it a little differently. And these guys, other players need to step up. Travis Konechny, I'm looking at Hugh. I'm looking at Oscar Lindblom this year. Okay, honestly, Oscar Lindblom needs to step it up. JVR needs to continue playing well. G needs to be play, playing well. Sean Coteri needs to play well. And a guy who needs a rebound season is Kevin Hayes. So... Um, you, you look at that and Joel Farabee last season couldn't be a fluke. It needs to be, he needs to make up some of the difference of Jake's points. So that's what I'm looking at is that offensively, I think they're going to be okay. And I still think they're going to make a move here in, in free agency to kind of bring in a little bit more scoring punch. I don't think anything. I think they're done with the major moves from now, but I think they're going to bring in more depth guys that can help out with that. But at the end of the day, you know, this team has gotten better defensively and that was their top priority. And offensively, is next year when you're going to have those questions about some of the guys who are hitting free agency. You worry about it then. Now this year is that this team I think is really set up really well in 21-22 to really push if they get in the playoffs, which they should. They're, they look at me on paper as a playoff team, where this team should be able to really push deep for a, a, a playoff spot. And we're talking late second round, possibly conference final. That's how that's how wow. good this team defensively could be on paper. Yes.
1: I, I think it's also in this two things. I, I, I don't know if there's I don't know if I agree with there's they're done with the big moves. I think if they can find someone and I don't know if it will, if someone can take JVR, they're going to make a move, whether it's including draft picks. Like if if he can clear all of those big contracts that are not named Sean Couturier and, and Claude Giroux. Because it will help him be have the ability to extend. Because I think he has a lot of value. Claude Giroux is the one guy that, as I said earlier, with uh, Russell and being, or excuse me, with um, with Cam Atkinson being thirty two. Yeah, Claude Giroux is not the hundred point scorer that we had a couple of years ago, but he's still a very productive thirty plus year old and worth that contract extension. Not just because of the name, like th- there's a part of me that's fine with moving on from Claude Giroux after next season. Really depends on how this season shakes out, right? Like that's really what it yeah, comes down. That's to. That's what it comes
0: down to. How but, long did they
1: play this season? But if you can move on from that seven and a half, seven and a quarter of uh, Voracek, uh, or excuse me, uh, JVR contract that gives you much more of a leeway and more of a of a of a move to say yes we can easily extend uh i keep saying voracek we can easily extend drew and couturier and really bolster and continue with the core that we have that were productive that's why you got rid of voracek that core is not working you're trying to incorporate a new core with these young guys that's where to my next point It's a risk of yes, you're bolstering. What I like that you're adding leadership. You're a lot of these guys have former letters on their on their sweaters on their former teams from Buffalo to, to Columbus, wherever it may be. The problem I'm seeing is you're putting a lot of eggs in baskets on young players on the forward side. When you're talking about, yeah, and like and after a season where you said to the media. Either our young guys plateaued or regressed. That's another thing that concerns me. Like you're putting a lot of your, and yes, you're, you're looking towards the guys like Cam Atkinson. That's probably why you brought him in here to lead the charge. When a guy like Joel Faraby is struggling, a guy like Morgan Frost is struggling, Wade Allison, if he gets some minutes here, but those guys in those in that locker room can only do so much. It comes down to the player. It, it always comes down to the player, right? So if the player's not producing, this team is going to look at a first-round exit again or worse if, if if they're not careful.
0: And that's a fair point, and I, and I agree. But I think a lot of it, the reason why they played so bad or played patoed last year is because of confidence, is that when they got behind in games, they just you never saw them barely battle back from it. Like, they just didn't have – they once they got it, it's like, here we go again. When Carter Hart starting getting lit up. You know, when defensively they started having injury issues and you're rotating defensively around – I think last year they were a bad team last year, but I think that it could have been stabilized if you had a solid leadership group. And I want to make an example. And I, I, you know, and the reason why I, I make examples a lot from the late two thousands teams is because those teams had those leadership guys that could be able to level things out when things weren't going well, when they had the 10 game losing streak in 2007, 2008, that almost knocked them out of the playoffs. Um, they had letter veteran guys. They had, in They had Danny Briere. They had Jason Smith. They had those guys in each of those positions to be able to be there and get some of the younger guys going again. And once they got a win, they kind of got over that hump, and then they started building their confidence back up. And it got them to the conference finals. To be honest here. eight-09 was a different story. They just they kind of got down behind a little bit late in the season, and then never quite got back up to speed. 2009 2010 I mean they were nearly the worst team in the league in January and then they went on that run in February because they had leadership guys like Chris Pronger you know you realized in 0809 that you needed more than what you had so you went out and got a guy like Chris Pronger you had Chris Pronger you had Scott Hartnell who was a veteran leader at that point you had, yep. still had Danny Briere you had Jeff Carter and you had Mike Richards who were leadership guys at that point in there. in there, you brought in a guy like Billy Leno. so you, you had you had leadership groups there to be able to bring those those guys back up to speed. This past season, I don't think they had enough accountability in the room. And I think you saw that for generally for the for the crux of the Giroux and Voracek core is that you know they, that's why you're in one year and you're out next year in one year. I don't think there was enough accountability in that locker room. I don't think that you know you could have leadership guys, but you, you need guys who could do more on the ice. Cam Atkinson's one of those guys, Ryan Ellis is one of those guys. You need to be more of a talking instead of a talking speech rah rah kind of guy in the locker room that's not the, that's not what they're talking about with leadership it's leading by example and let's be honest jake never always played full 60 minutes let's be honest some of these guys here uh, it never really you know played a full game and kind of got back and when you start it, and it rolls downhill and when your goaltending is not good and your defense isn't good your offense is a play well because they're a little more tentative a little more timid the whole point i'm trying to make is that bringing in these guys. I think, especially with the letters in our jerseys, it speaks a lot of volumes in a, a lot of locker room. You're bringing to where things, when they start, if they go to shit, hopefully they don't. But sometimes during the season, you have your ebbs and flows. Yeah, so if it I, goes I, to a shit point in the season, you have these guys. That's these a good guys point. Back like, in the point. Like
1: after the COVID uh, outbreak that they had in, what was it? March? Whenever yeah, like, the flyers like
0: right right around the uh, right around the Lake Tahoe game,
1: that was when everything went to everything
0: hell. Ha- everything fell apart.
1: And that's when, yes, I agree. The fact that you have leadership in the locker room when something like that, and God forbid, I'm I think the flyer, I'm sure the NHL is going to do something similar to what the NH- NFL is doing in terms of enforcing vaccination rates, trying to get to that point. So I, I think we're going to not have those, but we're talking about those losing streaks when you're on a four game skid. Six-game skid. Those happen over the course of an 82-game schedule. It's a grind. It's a it's a huge toll. That's what they didn't have. I completely agree with you. I don't know. I, I just don't know if Ristolainen is the guy that I would say you got to look towards as a leader. Ryan Ellis, fine. Cam Atkinson, Yeah. This oh, this is coming back to wrist aligning for me because of him being the second pairing yeah, guy.
0: He's also been through the worst of the worst. He's been through a team that deliberately tanked to try to get bad players that didn't ability yeah. team. So he knows when things are going to shit. And he, you know, listen, could be a confidence thing here. We might have gotten a diamond in the rough with this guy, and everybody, we're going to come back in in three four months and be like. Oh, my God, this guy is really I, good.
1: I hope you're right. I, that's all I like. I'm we, not. We,
0: we, we can only wait and see. You can't speculate. Can only listen, wait and see. We have to wait till October.
1: I'm excited Actually, for this.
0: season. December. December is when you really get a judgment on the guy.
1: Yeah, like that. I, I'm certainly excited. Like, that's all this. And this is way more exciting than what even the expansion draft for the snore. I didn't think the, 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 no. that crew had a like, I thought ESPN did a decent job of cover of coverage, but that was a snooze fest. And I don't think – I said last week that Seattle might be a playoff team. They are barely an NHL team, in my opinion. Uh, like,
0: Yeah. Like, I, I, I called it – when Dave Haxtell was in his coach, I knew they were looking for guys with upside. And, and Ron Francis is big on analytics with that, yep. and they're looking for the guys with an upside. I think they might surprise people and push, but I don't think they're going to be quite a playoff team until they start making bigger moves. But you know what? Vegas would look like the same way, and then Vegas started making moves yep. right around now. So we might see moves in free agency – they got a decent goaltender and Chris Dreiger, uh, you know, and Vita Vanacek um, uh, from from Washington. They build their back end pretty decently, so I think that adding guys here and moving pieces around, I think, will be start coming in next week or two. And I think that that's you know they have an opportunity here to really develop and might see some might see some surprises here. But I just I from looking at it from paper, I just don't think they're going to be. Everybody's going to expect them to do what Vegas did. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to take the longer route, kind of like what the Florida Panthers did or the Columbus Blue Jackets did.
1: Yep, I agree. All right, that is it, episode 83. What a lively debate. Let us know your thoughts. Is this move, are these moves the right moves to improve this hockey team or not? Also, subscribe to, if you haven't already subscribed, we just released our first edition. New feature, our quick shifts. get, Get a load of that. Brought to you by Kelly's Bakes. Kelly bakes there we go sorry about that Kelly she is great country baking, cooking use orange and backcheck you get a free plate of cookies. I believe that's what the the, the prize is thank you uh, the reward is. thank you so much for listening orange and backcheck at gmail.com give us your thoughts on all these trades uh, Are you with Scott? are you with me? Are they a playoff team? What is going on with this Flyers team? It's never a dull moment, especially now. We're in the full fit swing of things in the offseason. Orangebackcheck at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. And we will talk to you next time.
0: Shut up, you armchair GMs. Go back to NHL 21.
1: I'm going to fire it up now.
0: Aren't we armchair GMs?
1: Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs>